Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is the woman who knows how to set personal boundaries, Alex Standy. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And I'm always particularly happy when I get to see my friend Alex smiling as she usually does. <laughs> Bobby, our guest Bobby Kaler is here. And, and, and Bobby, I just got to tell you, Alex always smiles. No matter what's going on, it's actually a little bit disconcerting at times because she can be smiling when she's in absolute pain and I have to like discern what's going on in her face. Right now I can tell she's feeling really good, but there are times where, I mean, she, she has this amazing ability to smile through anything. So, and like the intro said, she is a queen of personal boundaries. So she has found a way to marry the two, which is is really a strong trait. Yeah. So that's just my way of saying, Alex, I love you and I'm proud of you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. Hanging in there. <laughs> There's a qualifier, right? Yeah. <laughs> Living the dream, taking it one day at a time. What are, what are the right. other ones? <laughs> that's good. Okay. Yeah. We'll just keep pulling those cliches out. We'll just. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and our guest today is Bobby Kaler. Now, Bobby is, well, I don't really know how to label her, and I don't really like labeling anyway, but she's basically somebody who wants to help people to get past the, I I, I like the term that she uses to describe it. Uh, She she wants you to to get past your inter, how'd you say it, your inner, I can't remember. Inner saboteurs. Inner saboteurs, that's the one, yeah. I mean, that that phrase, Alex, doesn't that really describe it? Inner saboteurs? Yeah. 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 It summarizes it in two words. So, Bobby, thanks for joining us on the program today. Where, where are you contacting us from? Well, I am here in Colorado today, uh, Colorado. right outside Rocky Mountain National Park at about 9,000 feet where it's snowing and nice and cold. Ooh. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> the beauty of December. I love it. That's, That's great. right. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I I do I, – I, Basically, I guess the best way to describe me to be, would be to say that I'm a self-leadership coach. Mm-hmm. I'm also a podcaster, a speaker, a writer, and I, and I delve into self-leadership, which is all about being very intentional about how mm-hmm. we're constructing our lives, you know, directing our thoughts, our actions, our, our mindset, our behaviors towards an intentional goal. And I think that I got set on this path very, very early in life, um, when I was about six years old, uh, the school that I attended told my parents that I had catastrophic speech problems and that I would that never catastrophic. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. not just not just speech problems. If I'm going to do something, guys, I'm going all in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it was. But in this speech, that pathologist he told my mom he's like, she's never going to talk correctly, mm, ever. Geez. And uh, my mom, when she told me what he had to say, she gave me a big hug and she said but we're not going to listen to him because you oh. never let someone else tell you what you can or cannot do. What a great oh. mom. Really? Right. And, and so what I learned from her over the years, like I would struggle to say words and I'd say, Oh, I can't say that. And she's like, no, you can't say it yet. And I think because of that experience that put me on the, on, on the path of wanting to help other people, mm. you know? So I, I think that's really, um, kind of where it all began for me was in childhood and just seeing that effect that it had on me because she could have just said, yeah, you know what? You're just going to have this, this issue and too bad. But thankfully, <laughs> thankfully she didn't. Well, apparently it worked what she was doing because you're speaking better than I am today. I was stumbling all over the place a few minutes ago. You're just coming out nice and clear. Whoa. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm always hyper aware though. When I say a word wrong, I think when, when you've had speech problems at a point, yeah, you're you're very aware of it but thank you. i'm not hyper aware i'm aware of it i just get pissed at myself and move on but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love that. it's fun how we have to deal with stuff but that's part of what it is with life i mean I, I, you're, you're no exception every single guest who's come onto the program has something in their past that you know yeah. in some cases it's a crash and burn in other cases it's in your case it was an impediment you know, various things that get in the way and amazingly they always turn into a new superpower that kind of emerges. Mm-hmm, that's right. If you if you're going to s- summarize what your superpower is that you that has emerged from that experience, what would you how would you describe it? What would you say it is? I help people really tap into them at their very very best. Okay, that's right. what that is. You know, and I think it's really about seeing seeing your own potential. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's funny that you said that, so the thing about, you know, sometimes that brings that out when I was in eighth grade, because I had these speech problems, I hated speaking in public. I mean, obviously I sold speech problems and who wants to, gee, I wonder why. I mean, yeah, you know, when you make, <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. Oh and, yeah. <laughs> so, you live for that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, why not? So I challenged myself and I thought, okay, I'm going to take a speech class when I go to high school. And so my, my speech teacher was Mr. Jordan. And I gave my very first speech and it was a train wreck and I'm not being hard on myself. That's, that's an honest mm. assessment of my performance. And when class ended, Mr. Jordan said, Hey, Bobby, can you stick around for a few minutes? And I thought, Oh my God, I've done so bad. He's going to mm. tell me not to come back. And as luck would have it, he was also the coach for the speech and debate team. Oh. And so he said to me, he said, have you ever thought of joining the speech and debate team? And I just remember looking at him and I thought, were you in the room? (laughs) (laughs) He kind of laughed and he's like, yeah, he goes, it wasn't very good, but he said, you've got potential. Wow. And he said, with your potential and my work ethic, and he said, your work ethic and my coaching said, I think you can really do well with this. Wow. And that was, isn't that amazing? I mean, how lucky was that? I mean, that's like. You know, I, I, I sense that goes way beyond a teacher having concern for a difficulty that a student is having. He was mm-hmm. seeing something. Yeah. Yeah. He was special, though. And I I was so lucky to have someone like that in my life, you know, and I have a number of those people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, even though it was on on one hand, you could say, well, it was bad to have a speech problem. On the other hand, look how it helped people show up for me. Yeah. Right. Alex, as you're listening to this, you, your high school years weren't all that wonderful either. Um, what, well, well, later on, I guess perhaps more than high school, but when you, when you hear her story, does it relate to yours? Do you, do you feel like there's a connection going on there? No, my high school experience was great. What are you talking well, about? Well, I, 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 all right. It was after the high school. I'm sorry. You're right. It was like, it was like early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Sorry. I timed it wrong. My, my mistake. I was like, see, wait, yeah, once again, I'm putting my tongue in front of my eye teeth and screwing up again. This is crazy. <laughs> I can't see what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. Yeah, nice. it was really bad, but well, you know, I had to do something to climb out of that one. <laughs> oh. But seriously, uh, going going back to your your early twenties, do you, do you see a similar story going on with what Bobby was telling? Um, in a way, yeah, in a way, yeah, because uh, when I was what was it? 22? Nope. 24. I was diagnosed with autism. At 24. Exactly. Wow. Right. So that's what we're talking about. Wow. Alex. So it's like, it, 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 it shakes you. Cause it's like, okay, so now my whole life makes sense, but also too, the ableism that was going on growing up, it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. At 24, is that unusual to be diagnosed at that age? Yeah. But then I found a bunch of other people that were late diagnosis and they're in their like fifties and they're just getting their diagnosis. Wow. And anything that rocks your foundation a little bit, I think is always tough to, to process a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Man. So when you when you got that diagnosis, give us an idea again. I know we've talked about this before on the show, but give mm-hmm. us an idea again of how did you end up managing it? That what, what kind of help did you get to manage it? Um, I luckily I was in therapy at the time, so the transition was a little easier, and I got diagnosed by a psychiatrist who I'm still with, and he just stuck with me and walked me through the whole process and and everything so it was it was a smoother transition than it could have been could have been just been like hey it is what it is bye but Mm. it held my hand so yeah man having the right person there with you makes all that makes a huge difference yes it definitely does that's what i was thinking of that's what that's what i was trying to tie together very poorly but that that was it yeah (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. You got an extra story out of it. <laughs> this is true. I did. Yeah. <laughs> and the point came out. So it's all good. That's right. Yeah. 
No, I just try to keep it light as all. Well. But yeah, I mean, th- once again, we're, we're demonstrating through the stories that we're telling that we encounter these experiences in our lives. Mm-hmm. We, we, we perhaps run into a deficit of our own where we experience something that somebody else does to us, whatever. And then it comes down to one thing, really. Not, I mean, great to have that support. Great to have somebody mm-hmm. stepping in. But how are we going to respond to it? Right. That's, it's such a great question, right? Because we know that something, crossroads are going to happen. You know, yeah. things are going to happen. We, we might be taken off of our path. Someone might mistreat us. I was just thinking about this the other day because I was going through this thing where someone intentionally, unintentionally don't know, but they treated me kind of poorly, let's say. Mm-hmm. And, and I was thinking about it. It's like, well, how am I going to respond? You know, because I think there's that initial, it kicks in initially where you're like, well, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to retaliate or I have to reciprocate. And it's like, no, that never works. Number one. And who do I want to be in this moment? How do I want to respond? Great What's question. true for me? You know, and it was interesting too, Walt, because um, I had this thought about we should never let someone else's bad behavior, like, affect who we are, who affect who, who we are in our heart. Because mm-hmm. once we do that, then we lose. Yeah. We, we basically take it into ourselves. That's right. Right. And that eats at us. Oh yeah. You know, cause it's like, think about it. If you respond poorly and you know, with bad behavior, then you have to continue to be angry at that person to continue to justify your own bad behavior. <laughs> so you keep it alive. Which really sucks, by the way. <laughs> it's not just good. saying. I mean, You're stupid. Yeah. Like, why? It's such a waste of time. It's a huge waste of time. You know, it's so funny. I don't know if you guys watched The Voice at all, but you know, the finale was this week, and the one guy sang a song. It was a Tim McGraw song, "Always Be Humble and Kind." Mm-hmm. And there's a, a line in there, and I'd missed it, and I've heard that song before. But the line is something like, "You cannot hold bitterness in your heart and fly." Hmm. And I that's think nice. I might have butchered that line, but that's the essence. Hey, you got the of essence it. of it. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that is so true. Yeah. You know? That's why they say we forgive for ourselves, not necessarily for, for the person who has transgressed. So give us an idea of you, you, you told us where the background was and you told us what you uh how you describe what you transitioned into with the kind of person, the kind of career you, you transitioned into, but give us an idea of how you take your experience there when you were in high school and apply it when you're working with people who are your own clients today. Okay. So at this point I've done a lot of coaching. I've coached more than 3000 people in my, in my career. And some of that has been, you know, some of it's leadership, some of it's, you know, helping sales professionals, some of it's Mm one-on-one with people who are just trying to create a thriving life. So a lot of different, you know, applications, but the thing that is always true to me for me, and also like I facilitated, I don't know, thousands of workshops. I've given hundreds of speeches, but the thing that is always true is this belief that I have that the person who's in front of me, that their potential is greater than their present performance. You know, present performance, that's simply where we are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't determine where we can go. And so I always hold this huge belief in possibilities for the person that I'm coaching. Um, and I think, I think one way to say that in coaching terms, it's, you know, holding unconditional positive regard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you, uh, Coachville, the founder was Thomas Leonard who passed away, unfortunately, like in the early two thousands, he was amazing. And I think one of the things that Thomas said, and I love this is that when you're coaching someone come from the mindset of they're doing the very best they can yeah. Even when they're not. That's, that phrase, mm-hmm. especially the first part, I, that's one of my go-tos. Yeah. It's one of my best ways of letting go of frustration with somebody. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Because when you can let go of that frustration, then you look at it differently. You get mm-hmm. a different perspective. You think about yeah. the person differently. You think about the situation differently. You think about any you know attached events differently just mm-hmm. because you let go of that one thing. Yeah. That's right. What was that, Alex? You pivoted. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a new perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think when we do that, what we're doing is we're showing up with empathy. And from 
neuroscience when I had to study that back in grad school. Um, we can't be both frustrated and empathetic at the same time. Hmm. You know, so by shift, shifting to empathy and also think about it, if I'm frustrated with someone, like if I'm frustrated with Alex and I'm trying to coach her, you're going to know that you're going to feel it. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? You're probably going to be defensive or you're going to shut down. Right. You know, so it, it, it doesn't lead you anywhere. So having that, that positive intention, that positive regard. And I think that applies with life in general. It just doesn't have to be a coaching session. Sure. Because anytime that we do something like that, what we're really doing is putting out what, what in LOA terms we like to call a, a high vibe. And the moment you do that, anybody who is receiving that vibe is going to be affected positively by it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what state they're in. Right. Mm-mm. They could be at the highest level of joy, the lowest level of depression, somewhere in the middle with bored. doesn't matter if they're going to be affected positively by it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Yeah. I like that part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a great way to have an impact. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that's really interesting about it is this is something we haven't talked about in a while here on the show, um, but we used to talk about it quite a bit. We can often have an impact that we never see. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we aimed it at somebody and, and that, that's, that person didn't pick it up, but somewhere along the line, somebody else picked it up and we weren't even aware of it. Right. Yep. Yeah. Which it, is really interesting. It's very powerful. <laughs> it and is. Occasionally, occasionally then like years later, someone will come back and they'll say, remember you didn't, when you did X, that really made it. And I'm like, I don't remember doing that. All right. I hope you didn't confuse me with somebody else. Well, that's the other thing. It's amazing how often, it, now, in this case, you're talking about something where people are holding on to a positive, which is wonderful. Yeah. The negatives, it's amazing how often people will hang on to a negative event and the person who is involved in the negative event doesn't even remember the event. Not oh, at all. my gosh. Period. Right? <laughs> right? Take me back to my 20th reunion three weeks ago. Stop. <laughs> that's what it was all about. Oh, no. Finding oh, out basically yeah. all the different ways that the classmates didn't remember something that you remembered. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. I'm like, why is it, have you been holding on to that for 20 years? I'm so <laughs> sorry for you. <laughs> right. It's embarrassing a little bit. <laughs> God. And you know, what's even funny to, I don't know if it's funny or not, but sometimes it's like, it didn't even really happen. Like the same event happened. But the way they perceived it, yeah, so different. It's like, wow, I never even thought of it that way. Yeah. Well, we humans have a tendency to ratchet things up, oh. particularly if they're negative. Mm-hmm. Right. Because partly it's a way to justify having the negative feeling in the first place. Yep. You no, know, that yep. way nobody can question it. Well, obviously it was really bad. Here's how bad it was. <laughs> yep. And the other thing is we all have our paradigms. We all have our thought patterns, you know, the inner saboteurs, right? Mm. And those greatly affect how we see things, the lens that we put on it. So we're literally looking for those things. And then what do you know? That's what shows up. Nice segue. So let's go into inner saboteurs. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean for that. It was just a connection. That's the way it works around here. That's why we leave the conversation free form. We never know where it's going to go. But interestingly enough, it always goes where it needs to. So here we are. Tell us about inner saboteurs. Okay. So inner saboteurs, think about it this way. Those are our automatic ways of thinking, feeling, and responding. And they're ingrained. They start in childhood and they, they, they form very well-worn neural pathways. That's why it's, it, someone will say, oh, why did I just, why did I act that way? Because mm-hmm. it's automatic. We're not even thinking about it anymore. And so what, what the researchers have found is that there are 10 different inner saboteurs. There's one that's universal and that's the judge. And the mm-hmm. judge can be of ourselves, which we all have that one, right? Some have... Some have really, really terrible inner judges uh, mm-hmm. towards themselves. It can be judges towards others mm-hmm. and judging of circumstances. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, it's, it's hard for us to be happy. You know, it's always that I'll be happy when type of thing. So that's the universal one. The, and then there are nine accomplice saboteurs. Nine and the, what's that? Nine of them. Nine. Yeah. And this is, it's all based on the research of Shirzad Shamin. He is a lecturer at Stanford. 
And if the listeners, there's a book called Positive Intelligence. It's a fabulous book. It all lays it out. But the, okay, so I, I can tell you the nine. And as I do this, just kind of like, they're pretty self-explanatory. But think okay. about how, like, how they would apply to you or people that you know, right? So sure. the first the first one is the avoider. Okay. Okay. The second one is the controller. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to have control of everything. Yep. Then you have the, the hyperachiever. Mm. The hyper-rational. No, you know, yeah. everything's logic, no emotion. Um, the hyper vigilant, which happens to be one of my big ones. Mm-hmm. Then we've got the pleaser, mm. the restless, the stickler, and the victim. And so we, 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 we have typically a combination of, we all have the judge, and then a combination of typically two to four of these. Some people do have more. That's interesting. And, That's yeah. really interesting. The reason I say that is, you put, or he put, I'm not sure which way it is, but that he put victim in a separate category for many of those. And then you describe how they go together. And in my mind, a lot of them, they're, the victim just goes with it automatically. The idea that they're separate is really an interesting idea to me. Yeah. One that I hadn't really considered. Yeah. Cause not everybody has the victim separate. Actually, one of the things he said, this was in one of his, um, the courses I took, he said, while the judge is universal, some people don't have the victim, but typically some form of the victim okay. does show up. Yeah, yeah. It right. might not be as strong as it is in others. Sure. Um, just like the restless, is, restless, restless is another one that shows up in a lot of people, even if mm-hmm. it's at a very low level. Mm-hmm. And that's why people are like, you know, I got to jump from this thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. And mm-hmm. it's hard for us to really be present in the moment. That's a, it's not universal, but it's it's one of the more common where it shows up in a lot of people. One of the ones you mentioned was the pleaser, which I interpret as the people pleaser. And, mm-hmm. and that's one I, I'm trying to imagine. What is a, what is an example of a pleaser who doesn't also feel like a victim? Um, I guess it could go hand in hand. Um, the pleaser, though, the pleaser, it it manifests a little bit differently. Because like a pleaser will get upset, like, wow, I did that. And, you know, they're not reciprocating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A victim could be like, everybody's out to get me. And that's where it's a little bit different. Hmm. You know what I mean? So basically a low-grade version of they're not responding. Yeah, could be. And here's okay. the thing, too. Like, think about it. the pleaser is a great example. Like a Like a pleaser... You know, it's built upon a strength in a way because a pleaser connects very easily with people. They care about people. They're, you know, that they pour into people. It's when it goes too far and then they're not taking care of themselves. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 But then that's how we see the world. That's how we start to see the world. Like, okay, so here's here's um, an example. Um, Let's say that I, I had a friend and she was having trouble with her. Facebook account, as was I at one point. I, I don't know why, but suddenly with her name was, well, I don't want to say her name, but she was having trouble and some people just got blocked. And she's like, I don't even know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And some people were like, oh, hey, you know, you might want to check out your Facebook account because it seems like you're blocked. And and she was telling me this. We went to high school together. And then some people were like, why did you block me? Well, she's like, I didn't block anybody. It's just my <laughs> Facebook account isn't working. <laughs> but some people show, but see, see how it same event and we show up differently to it. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. always, it's always what our reaction is. What not our reaction, what our response is. I mean, our, right. our, our reaction can be one thing, but our response can be selective. It can be different. We can choose it. We can choose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which that, that, honestly, that took me a while to learn that one. God. I remember when I first heard that, that was like a punch between the eyes. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was in my like mid twenties and I'm like, wow, my mind is blown. (laughs) For for me, it was more like, you're full of crap. That's not possible. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember what it was like though. The first time that I consciously came up with a different response, that was the punch between the eyes. Like, oh my God, I actually did it. Wow. And you remember that? You remember that? Yeah. Wow. How did it work out? It it, it was actually an incident just by myself. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a very, very simple one. Um, And it was something that uh, I had talked about with my wife, and she gave me the idea to try this little test to to demonstrate to myself. I was out on a walk, which I like to do frequently, Mm 
And I, let's see, what, what happened that particular day? I remember, oh, I know what it was. I was feeling pretty miserable. I can't remember why I was feeling miserable, but I was feeling miserable about something. And as I'm walking along, I'm remembering what she told me, which was see if you can find something to feel good about in the midst of, the, of your misery. And I said, oh, all right. What, like what? And she says, well, look for some flowers and just go study the flowers. I said, well, all right, whatever. So went and studied the flowers. And in the process of studying the flowers, all of a sudden I forgot about this other thing that was bugging me mm-hmm. and recognized that I had forgotten it. Because in the past, I didn't recognize it. it. was like, oh, well, this is just a new event going on. That's all it was, you know. Mm-hmm. But But this time... I had deliberately chosen to focus on something else when I was feeling miserable and shifted my emotion as a result. Yeah. And that's where the surprise came in. Like, Oh my God, how did mm-hmm. I not know you could do this? How many other people don't know that you can do this? How many people have figured this out? <laughs> right. Why is this being kept secret? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this should be a headline in every newspaper. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember my first time, but I do am just realizing now that I do it all the time. Like mm. mid conversation, like can I be arguing, arguing with me about something? And I'm like, I'll start to argue back and then I'll stop myself. And I go, you know what? It's not even worth it. So, you know what? It doesn't even matter. And I just walk away. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. Wait, so when you were. When you were in your 20s and, and, and it hit you between the eyes, how did it hit you? Oh, I think I was, this would have been my early 20s. I I had a job at this one little company and uh, I drove the same route to work every day. And there was a church that had a reader board out front. And they'd always put these quotes up. Mm. And the one was, you know, you. I think it was something like, when something happens, you have the power to choose your response. And I was driving the car and I'm like, what? (laughs) It was just, it just kind of blew my mind, you know, that, wow, this, this could actually happen. Cause you know, I had already, I had always been around a lot of people that I hadn't really seen that role modeled, Mm -hmm. you know, things would happen and it was okay to just, you know, if you fly off the handle, you fly off the handle. So it was, um, it was kind of amazing. And what's interesting about it is not long after that, um, I had this epiphany around um, the way I was showing up wasn't wasn't getting me the results I wanted. Like I was, I, I tended to have trouble with my coworkers, and I remember I switched jobs, and once again I was in my head going, "Oh, I've always got these bad coworkers." Blah 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 blah, and all of a sudden it was like the universe tapped me on the shoulder and said, "What's the common denominator?" <laughs> oh, like, that's oh, not no. fair. Is it me? Am I the drama? <laughs> I am the comma. Oh my god! And I was like, oh. But then I also tied it back to that whole thing about, you know, I had learned to. It was okay to be reactionary, and guess what? A lot of people don't like that. Mm. You know, and, and that's not. And I also know that's not who I really am. Why am I showing up that way? So that was, that's how they were kind of tied together a little bit for me. That was a painful moment though. Like what's the common sure. denominator, Bobby? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a wake up call is what it is. Mm, so that's, like, right. that's what's really going on around here. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Grateful for that one. Hurt at the time. Yeah. Well, it usually does, right? There's always a sting whenever you're, you're dealing with something like that. You say, yeah. oh, that was me. Oh, okay. Yeah. That wasn't good. <laughs> but, there's, but there's also a payoff though when you get when you get the message and when you understand this, this is where Alex is great skill because she really is excellent at boundaries. When you're able to establish a boundary with somebody that you realize you should have set before. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example of it. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's a, a, a former friend of mine at the time he was a friend. He's no longer a friend. And the reason he's no longer a friend is because of this kind of incident that happened repeatedly. He is the kind of person like you were describing who would, you know, it's okay to fly off the handle. It's okay to get mad at somebody and so forth. And he would take it to an extra level. He would take it to, I'm doing this for your own good. I'm doing this because this is my way of showing love for you. Yeah. Oh, the narcissism. Oh, Oh, I know. It's crazy. (laughs) It took me a while. Actually, what it took with me was to have an experience with him where he, he, he wouldn't pull that on me often, but every once in a while he'd go off on me. Mm. And 
there was an effect that happened that uh, uh, my wife knew about. I didn't know. My, my wife has a psychotherapeutic background, so that's why she knew about it. But I didn't know about it. Apparently, the more you get exposed to that kind of, of treatment um, in whatever form it is, it, it, it's a, it has a cumulative effect. It builds and builds and builds and builds. And one day it went over the top, it went over the, the, the top lid, lip, so to speak, and overflowed. And when it did, I experienced pain, psychic pain, like I had never experienced before. It was a, it was a total and complete surprise. I never experienced anything like that, but it also did two things. First, it gave me the impetus I needed to break the friendship. And the second mm-hmm. thing that it did is it made, helped me to understand his personal history. Because in his personal history, he was divorced. His ex would never talk to him. He had two sons. His two sons would never talk to him. He came from a a company where I used to work also. The people who owned the company wouldn't talk to him. And now I wasn't going to talk to him. He had a long history of alienating people. Mm -hmm. And every step along the way, whenever it was presented to him, how he was alienating people, he said, that's not me. That's them. He refused to accept ownership for it, which is why everybody kept cutting him off. So it's the whole world, not me. It's everybody else. Apparently. Yeah. There is no <laughs> common denominator here. No. <laughs> Man, when you start to see a pattern like that. Yeah. Right. Wow. So, so can I ask, can I ask a question of Alex? Oh, of course. Cause I, I, I I'm a big believer in boundaries, and I know that setting boundaries, for some people, it's really uncomfortable. What's your secret? (laughs) I've asked her that one before. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't have the time. I'm almost 40. I don't have time for, for other people's feelings, and I need to take care of me, period. So that's what I worry about. That, that's always the answer, by the way. Exactly like that. Hey. I mean, worded a little bit differently, but that's it. Every time. <laughs> I just don't have time for it. That's that, that's their stuff. Yeah, yeah the drama. I mean, who? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I it's mean, fine I don't on think. TikTok. It's fine on TV, but not in my personal space. No. <laughs> oh yeah, sometimes I want to say, you know, we're not on a reality TV show here. <laughs> sometimes I feel like I am. <laughs> like, did I stumble onto the set and nobody told me? Yeah. Like, guys, if I was on Real Housewives of Cape Cod, would you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> He's been keeping a secret. I knew it. <laughs> See, I've been trying to hide it with the, the subtitle, but uh, apparently you saw right through it. <laughs> Discoveries that are made here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true that, I mean, you, you have this nailed, Alex. You've had this nailed for quite some time. And yeah. as so often happens, when, when somebody really nails it, they have trouble explaining why they can nail it. Yeah. Because, because it was easy for you. It's just so many years of the bull. So it's like, I got yeah. tired of it. And I was like, no, no, you, no you more. You can't reach the limit, right? No mas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of like what, you know, this ex-friend of mine. You yeah, know, I, I put up with it. I put up with. I wasn't going to put up with it anymore. I yeah. literally, I, I had to maintain some contact with him because we still had a business relationship that had mm-hmm. been played out. I insisted the only way he could ever be allowed to contact me was by email. Yeah, and, and it was not hard Getting to set boundary. that boundary. Good for you. That, that was that was actually an easy boundary to set at that point. Mm-hmm. So that's how I can identify with what you talk about. How yeah, it wasn't. It was just like I wasn't going to put up with it anymore. And then some Same people thing. slip through, and then you're like, whoa, 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 whoa! I can set a boundary. <laughs> 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 I don't have to be bothered by you. Like you're doing too much, and you're getting my feathers ruffled. Like stop. <laughs> yeah. I think part of the issue is sometimes people, to, to use your words there, like, you know, they slip through and then it's easy for their, like, encroachments, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. then suddenly it's like a big violation and you're like, well, how in the world, like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Right. And then you trace it back and it's like, oh, they, they were actually three or four violations. Mm. <laughs> yep. But I missed it. Mm-hmm. I missed it somehow. Or I let it slide. Yeah, that's yep. that's my experience. It's usually mm-hmm. let it slide. I, I I knew it was there, but it's not that big of a deal. Well, yeah, actually, it was until it was. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So, so once you recognize that, I, maybe that's what makes it easy. You finally say, okay, this is a bigger deal than I thought it was. Yeah, and exactly. Just, and just then you just cut it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think for me, like I used to be, okay, I hate to admit this, but like in my 20s, even late 20s, I was a bit of a doormat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and I really let people get by with a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and, and one of the, th- and ironically, this is one of those powerful things that I ever, ever had to do is, um, my mom, I love her very, I loved her very dearly. She passed away in 2008 and, uh, but she had some, we believe some kind of psychological issue where sometimes she could be pretty, uh, mean spirited. Like mm-hmm. she can say some really nasty things. She could be physically violent. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was in my early thirties and she would call and leave me these messages on my answering machine. And if friends were over or whatever, they'd be like, oh, my God, that's vile. Mm. Or she'd send me emails at work. And mm. my, my coworkers would see them and they're like, my God, this is this is hurtful. It's hateful. And finally, I had to have a conversation with mom. And I said, hey, I love you very much. I want to have a healthy relationship with you. And this can't continue. And, and I'll tell you what, Alex. After that, it's like, if I don't allow my mom to mistreat me, exactly. because <laughs> if anybody's going to get to mistreat me, she had, you know, probably would exactly. Hurt. You know what I mean? But it's like, no, no, no more. It was the same for me, but with my father. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Exactly. <laughs> if I'm not going to let my father talk to me that way. You're sure not going to. <laughs> And it's like, you don't have a chance. Not today or tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. uh, so so we can relate there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <right>. Yeah. <laughs> but, but going back to something you mentioned a, a few moments ago, you also talked about how we can be pretty rough on ourselves. Kind of That's in the right. same way that your mom was rough on you. Um, mm-hmm. and, and our favorite way of describing it around here is that if we treated our best friend the way we treated ourselves, we wouldn't have a best friend. Uh, because right. nobody would put up with that, right? I mean, who's going to put up with, with the way? <laughs> but, but we can really be really cruel to ourselves, not even realizing that we're doing it, but we are. That's right. Yeah. It's horrific how we can treat ourselves. I had, Mm. because of some of the stuff with the mom, I actually went to therapy for quite a few years and she Mm -hmm. became, you know, she was my therapist slash coach. And I loved talking with her. Like she helped Mm. me so much. And one of the things that she said to me in in, in one of our sessions was um, like, would you ever talk to you to a friend the way you talk to yourself? Right. Mm. And and I said, well, of course not. And she's like, then why are you talking to yourself that way? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just pin yourself on the wall there. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, well, that's a good point. But we yeah. do it. I mean, mm-hmm. think right. about how, how many bad things we tell ourselves about mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. It, it's also something that can be a challenge to shift. Because if you've been doing it long enough, it's very habitual. You, you mentioned neural pathways. Boy, that one can be just buried in there, just you know, mm-hmm. attached yeah. with, with, you know, staples and nails and everything else. Super glue. <laughs> Super glue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's one of those things that you can create new neural pathways, right? But it's like, you have to become aware of how you're talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have to stop. You have to literally stop yourself and say, no that's the judge or that's, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard, but with that self, self-awareness is key, right? Nothing mm-hmm. happens without self-awareness, mm-hmm. but, but that, that's where it begins. Mm-hmm. When you're coaching somebody who has something that, that is that thoroughly ingrained in their nervous system and they're struggling to overcome it, they're, they're doing their best. They're trying to notice it each time, but it, man, it's just haunting them. What else can you do to, to help them? Can you give us, give it, give us some tools, give us some tricks. Okay. So first of all, in a coaching session, that's one of the things I'm listening for. Because mm. mm-hmm. if you're listening to someone and they're talking, like, let's say, uh, let's say they have a presentation and they don't do well, mm-hmm. you know, where do they go with that? Is it like, oh my goodness, you know, I didn't do as well as I could have in that presentation. Next time I should prepare more. That's healthy. If it's, you know what, I'm such a loser because I didn't do well. I'm never good mm. at this. Mm-hmm. We got to stop that. Right. We have to, and by bringing that to the surface, they start to hear it more often. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that's part of it. It's building that self-awareness. I mean, that is key. The other thing there um, is there's actually an app and it's the PQ app and it's, you know, it, it's not free, but it's a great six week program that you go through. And it's every week you learn more about how your saboteurs are showing up. And it's, oh. it's kind mm-hmm. of a combination of that and these like, two to three minute 
mini meditation sessions where, you know, and, and, and then they start, they have you like visualize a, a past hijacking, they call it. When let's say your judge went out of control and jumped all over you. Mm-hmm. And so you start to visualize it and that heightens your awareness. And the other piece of that is then to think about, think about, okay, so in the future, when that happens again, how am I going to stop it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what am I going to do differently? How am I going to make that shift? Because that's how we start to kind of reprogram that thought process. And it's, it's a, it's a fabulous, um, it's a fabulous program. I, when I went through it, um, like I said, hyper was one of mine, not mm-hmm. surprising with my childhood and everything. I was probably, but I always said about like, if worry were an Olympic event, I'm the gold medalist, hands down. I'm using both. Everybody else is playing for second. And, um, and I'd wake up at like two, three o'clock in the morning. And I'd be worrying about all this stuff, all this stuff, all this stuff. And it would be, it's exhausting. And I started going through the program in like within two to three weeks that it stopped. Nice. That was oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good result. Yeah, that's a really good result. And we've had a lot of clients who have had great results with it. So um, I meant to mention this earlier, too. If people are curious about the saboteurs and which ones they might have, we can. There, I have a place on my website that has a free assessment. So we oh, can, nice. I can give that cool. to you later if you want. Yeah, yeah. we'll make sure there's a link to that. Yeah. 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 That's it's interesting. Stuff. You know, when you said what you were saying about uh, the app, the way you said it, that, it, that it, a number of people can be helped with it, it reminded me of something. Not everybody gets helped by the same tools, no matter what the tools That's are. Right. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what they are. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I'm thinking, well, the, the options that we're presenting so far are, on the one hand, there's the app. And the other hand, there's dealing with a coach. Mm-hmm. So that raises a question. Other than the app didn't work, when do you decide it's time to work with a coach? That's a good question. It's very individual, mm. right? I think when you when you have tried a number of things and you're just not making progress, that might be a good time to think: is it worth is is it worth reaching out to somebody else? Mm-hmm. I think this is a harder one, but when our self awareness isn't there, that's when a coach can really because a coach can hold up a mirror for you yeah. and help you see what's been invisible so far. Now, what's hard about that is if you don't have the self awareness to kind of see that then you might not have self-awareness to know that, hey, I might want to change something. Mm-hmm. But say if, if, if you've tried a number of things and it's not working and you want to make the change, it's worth at least talking to different coaches. And the other thing I'd say on that is be choosy. Like talk to people, see, see who is a good fit. Because not every coach is a good fit for every person, mm-hmm. you know, Um and so in that, fact, just, that, that's something yeah. a lot of people don't realize. I know about it just because I've had so many coaches here on the program, but yeah. almost all coaches will give you a free first session just so you can evaluate, just so you can find yeah. it. And they can buy, evaluate whether they're good for you. That's right. That's right. I mean, I, I can't think of any, well, I think I, that's a good practice for coaches to have because sometimes like I'll meet with someone and I'm thinking, man, I really want to help you. And I know I'm not the best fit. Mm. So in that case, what my practice is always to say, Hey, because I know a lot of coaches, right? Yeah. I can say, hey, here are three other people that I think will be a better fit for you, and I'm happy to introduce you to them. Which is, which is right. exactly what a good coach does. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because that, that's what we should be wanting is to help. Not, It's not about getting another client. I mean, that's not what this is about. This is about helping people. And when you get that kind of a recommendation from a coach, that's when you know, first of all, that was a good coach. And second mm-hmm. of all, it's a good recommendation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I go out of my ways to know people in, in the field, right? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, because here's the other thing. If I'm a good fit for everybody, I'm a fit for nobody. I mean, really and truly. And, and so I, I know that. Uh, you're making me think. I, I, I often um, make reference to past co-hosts and present co-hosts because of the various things I've, I've learned from so many people, including from Alex. Um, but the two who I refer to the most are one of my earliest co-hosts. His name's Joel Elston. Mm-hmm. By the way, Alex, he was on the show yesterday. I got a chance to have a show with him. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And the other is Cindy Chavez. And both of them were with mm-hmm. me for a number of years. And in this case, I'm thinking about situations with both of them. So I'm going to tell you about both of them. Um, with Cindy, um, Cindy once told me, she's told me many great things over the years. But one thing that she told me one time uh, on the topic of being a people pleaser was how she... I don't remember how she told the story, but somebody, a good friend 
basically played the role of coach, like you were describing, and pointed out to her what she was doing, that she was people-pleasing, and the way she was doing it was she was being unwilling to accept and receive a gift, whether it be, you know, like the, the, the example she gave was mm-hmm. you're out to lunch with somebody and the other person says, I got the check. And you say, oh, no, no, I got the check because you can't allow the other person to give you the gift of buying the lunch for you. Mm. Right. Classic. Yeah. And and when she told me that story, I, well, first of all, I love the story. <laughs> yeah. But the second thing that that occurred to me was. I wonder how many people do that without realizing it. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And it really, uh, among other things, it points to lack of self-esteem, lack mm-hmm. of self-love, insufficient, not lack, but insufficient self-esteem, self-love, yeah. self-confidence, self-caring. You're willing to, to care for everybody else but you're not wanting to care for yourself. It's kind of the same concept we were talking about before. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a different twist mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. instead of beating yourself up much more than you beat anybody else up, it's refusing to take care of yourself, which pretty much amounts to the same thing. It's just yeah. a different way of saying it. And what you're talking about there, that's very much the pleaser, saboteur. Mm-hmm. And where that comes from is in childhood, where did we learn how to get love? Mm. By pleasing others, by taking care of others, by giving and it comes from a, if I don't do that, will people love me back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the, um, origins of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, mm-hmm. I can complete, that's a, it's a fabulous story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it reinforces for me, well, first of all, because I, I love both, both Joel and Cindy, it reinforces for me how it doesn't matter how advanced you are. It doesn't matter how much you've learned. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how, you know what great things you've accomplished in your life. Everybody has these things. That would that that they have to at some point deal with these inner saboteurs as you call them, mm-hmm. and we we go through processes, we go through coaching, we go through therapy, we take courses, we you know we, we download apps, and we're able to work through a whole bunch of them. But they still keep popping up in different ways, and they're different ones. They you mm-hmm. know, one pops up, and we clear that one, and something else comes along. It's, almost, yeah. it's like it's like an endless journey almost. Mm-hmm. It is it is an endless journey. You know, and, but we keep, but here's the thing. Think about how how far we've come since the beginning of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's celebrating the, 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 the victory, the, uh, the accomplishments along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is important. Mm-hmm. We often miss that though. Cause we we're do. So quick, we're so quick to beat ourselves up. I had, I had a coach describe it to me this one, one way where if you, if this is your baseline right here, mm-hmm. when in learning and adult learning and development, we go up. And then we kind of come down, mm-hmm. we go back up, kind of come down. And you know, when we notice are in those valleys, when we come back down and that's when we beat ourselves up. Yeah, so, yeah. so the whole thing is you have to help people see, yeah, you went up, you came down, blah, blah, blah. But look at how far above the baseline you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes that's what we need to help people see is like their progress because progress is motivating. Mm-hmm. And, and then when you were talking about, um, how you refer to other coaches and so forth. I was making, well, Cindy has told me the same thing on multiple occasions. Joel has done the same thing, but Joel also was reminding me um, just yesterday of his background. He has a really unique background, a very painful background actually, mm-hmm. um, because when he was very young, he developed a gambling addiction and he ended up stealing from his family's insurance company that they owned. He ended up, he ended up uh, going out to Vegas, gambling all the money away, um, mm-hmm. couldn't, didn't have any money to, to go home again. Didn't have any money to live anywhere. He had to live on the streets. He was, he literally mm-hmm. starts his book out talking about how he had to eat out of a McDonald's dumpster in order to survive. I mean, just oh. horrible stuff that he went through, but that became a foundation for later on when, well, also he got arrested and went to, to jail too. He had to go through that. Um, but after he passed through all that, uh, he has a great story that I won't tell about how going into jail was actually the best thing that happened and his whole, his whole vibration changed at that point. But, yeah. um, at, later on, he learned about law of attraction. He learned about, you know, the different ways that you can take control of your own life. And he ended up developing uh, a practice first as a therapist and then later on as a life coach, uh, initially with the desire of helping other gambling addicts which by the way are the hardest addicts to help because they don't have any money to pay for the, the fees. So it, it's a real challenge to try to work through that. Well, he, he had all kinds of interesting stories to tell about that. He talked about how he's, he actually helped to found two different clinics that 
that uh, fed that. But in both of those situations, he was he was uh, working in a clinic that basically got funded by somebody else, and he got kicked out of his own clinic. And what was really interesting is that in both cases, especially in the second one, it happened even faster in the second one. In the first one, he got kicked out of the clinic. And because of all those relationships he had, because you talked about how he had these relationships with his other, other coaches, within, I think it was a two to three week period, his entire calendar got filled up and all of a sudden he found himself in private practice. And wow. then he went mm-hmm. and fo- founded the second one. And after the second one, he got kicked out of, he, he got kicked out on a Friday and his calendar was filled by Monday. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It was, be- it was all because of those connections that he developed mm-hmm. with all these other coaches and therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists and all that. You know, they, they all heard about what happened. Oh, yeah, well, refer these to Joel. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> connections are so important they for are. so many mm-hmm. reasons in our lives. Yes. Yeah. In fact, there's, uh, I'll, I'll tell you uh, something I, I like to tell a lot of guests because this is an unknown study. It's unknown because I've only seen it listed in mm-hmm. one place. It was performed by Sean Aker, if you know who he is. Oh, yeah. He's one of the positive psychology movement. And the only, pla- the only place you'll find him talking about this is when he published his first book, The Happiness Advantage. He was on a tour promoting the book, and he ended up on NPR. And there's a recording of his appearance on NPR that I got on a, on a DVD. And after he does the entire book, this doesn't show up in the book at all. After he talks about the entire book, and finishes his presentation. He does like a little after presentation and he tells about this study that he did. It's the only time I've ever seen or heard anything about this study. It's the most amazing study I've ever heard of and it's not publicized and he hasn't publicized it. And I want to ask him why, but that's yeah. another question. But the study was this. He was, he was at Harvard. He was um, trying to figure out how to help the Harvard students who are feeling so much pressure and mm-hmm. were sabotaging themselves and so forth. He wanted to find some way to show them, here's how you can get the success you're looking for, whatever that success is. So mm-hmm. he did the study to try to identify, okay, what are the causes of success? And, and he put, it was like a hundred questions survey and like one fifth of the entire institution took the survey. I mean, it was one of those kinds of studies. And there was only one question that he found a correlation on. And it was the last one that he threw on as an afterthought. He wasn't even thinking it was going to be one of the, the, the major factors, but it was. Well, the question was about social connectivity. Mm. And the correlation, right. you're going to love this, the correlation that he found between just that one factor and success was 0.7, 70% predictive all by itself. Man, that's, that's incredible. I mean, you can see why I'm just blown away that that, that survey isn't out there all over the place. You That's have to go right. to that one little obscure source in order to find them. Think, what? Everybody should know about this. this Everybody should know about that. Yeah. I mean, think about it too, like connections. It's, it's, it's great for our success that way, but also like in terms of our happiness, our longevity, you know, the social connections. I saw something on, on LinkedIn today and it's something I've seen in other places. Like, I don't know, the journal of positive psychology about as we age, Social connections is one of the things that's the one of the most powerful things for our brain health. It keeps us healthier by being connected. Mm -hmm. And and think about what's happened in COVID and with social media. I think it's easier to be less connected, you know, because like, oh, I went on and I liked somebody's post. But that's not the same as like (laughs) picking up the phone or having lunch with somebody. I mean, it's it's okay, but it's not the same. You know, wow. I'm with you, though, Walt. That study should be out there. It should be out there. That's like... (laughs) That's huge. That's huge. And, and and what you just said reminds me of something. What was it? It was, um, oh, I know. It, it, was, it came from a movie. In, in the movie, one character is talking to another, um, and the, the character he's talking to is a young girl in, in her teenage years. And he says to her, would you rather have 100 Instagram friends or five real friends? And what a great question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer. Um, she answered five real friends. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Go girl. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But I mean, how often do people think about that? Mm-mm. You know, yeah. it's, it's so something... easy to judge ourselves based on social media. Yeah, mm. It really is. But it's mm-hmm. also an opportunity. This is where I find such joy in it because yeah, it's hard to make that connection, but now the connection is right in front of everybody. They can't mm-hmm. avoid it anymore. And so mm-hmm. eventually it bites them. Mm-hmm. Eventually in some way it shows up and they have to say to themselves, well, which way am I going on this one? Yeah. They have to make the decision. 
Mm-hmm. And usually in the midst of some, you know, really miserable situation, but because that's the way we tend to bring up these dramatic situations, but, right. you know, still have to face it at some point. And, and that mm-hmm. to me is great because that's where their growth is happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Great question. <laughs> hey, we're running out of time. I want to make sure we get some information from you. First of all, uh, you told us about the, uh, what is it? A, a survey? What, what's the, the thing? It's, it's called the saboteur assessment. This, the assessment, okay. Yeah. Assessment. So to find that, it's just on my website, which is bobbykaler.com mm-hmm. and then slash uh, resources. And on that resource page, there's, oh, there's a couple assessments. One is a saboteur assessment, which will tell you which one you have or okay. which ones. The other one will tell you your overall positive, positive intelligence or PQ score. So in other words, mm-hmm. how often is your brain working for you or against you? Interesting. Both of those are, they're both free. They take, I don't know, maybe five minutes. They're not very long at all. Great assessments though. Um, okay. I'll, I'll make, I'll try to find them and, and, and make sure that we got links directly to each one of them to make it easy for people. We'll put it into the, the show notes. If you have any trouble, yeah. let me know. I can send them to you. Okay. I appreciate that. And then how do, if somebody wants to reach out to you personally, how do they find you? Um, the website's a great place. Also, I'm super active on LinkedIn. I post there quite a bit. And again, it's just Bobby Kaler. Um, and you can either message me there or there's a way to email me or contact me through the website. So either one of those work. Okay. That's good. So we'll make sure we'll include, um, that link too so that they can find you because I mean, there may be somebody listening who says, you know what? I, I need to talk to somebody. She might be the one to talk to. So mm-hmm. you know, that's the way yeah. these kinds of relationships get formed. Yeah. And so you know what? I try to put a lot of content out there so that people can get, uh, there's a lot of free stuff. So that, cause I don't think it should always be like, like I said, I've coached a lot of people in my life. I've been lucky enough to work with some of the major brands on the planet. Mm. I want to bring some of this stuff to, to, to everyone. So mm. it, so there's a lot of free content where you can, you can consume that. And, and then hopefully that's going to help a lot too. Mm-hmm. Well, well, once again, you're giving me a wonderful segue because I always like to wind up a, each program by doing one particular thing with the guests, because all the guests who come on like yourself are givers, people who are trying to find some way to give to the population at large. Mm-hmm. And the way I like to do it is to recognize something that doesn't get recognized. So there are many people, thousands probably, who have heard you on a podcast or they read something that you wrote on your website or you know, they, they, they picked up some sort of content that you created and they listened to it or read it or whatever and got something and it helped them in some way that you'll never mm-hmm. find because you'll never meet them. You'll never see mm-hmm. them. But you help them. So on behalf of all the people you've never met and you never will meet and you never have seen and you never will see who you helped without knowing about it, thank you on their behalf. Ah. And thank you for what you're continuing to do. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's nice encouragement. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's important because we, we skip over that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's almost immeasurably important. So that, that's why mm-hmm. I make it a practice. We got to make sure everybody who, who's yeah. a giver hears that message. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And, and Alex, I'm going to go to you for our, I, I often do this. I'm going to go to you for our, our final word. You, you, I want you to, to kind of tie everything up in a bow here in terms of what we've been talking about, which is always hard to do. But you know, if you found one way to express this is the takeaway message for today, what would you say that takeaway message is? Hmm. The whole title, Overcoming Your Inner Saboteurs. She's always very concise, right to the point. <laughs> Why waste words if you don't need to, right? <laughs> it works for her. What can I say? <laughs> oh, this is good. No, seriously, Bobby, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us, taking the time, sharing your your beautiful ability to express yourself clearly. <laughs> I well, love that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it, it's evident that you've done the work. You no doubt in my mind at all. But thank uh, so you. congratulations on that. But thank you for also for what you're doing too. It's really good stuff. And likewise, I love what you're doing as well, too. So thank you. And thanks for having me as a guest. This was great. Oh, we love it. It's so much fun. So thank you much. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. 